Now encoding transmission. Transmission encoding completed. Have you often found yourself wondering about the unsolved mysteries and weirdness that surround them all? Now, I'm not saying it's definitely aliens, but it's definitely aliens. You're listening to Three Girls, One Cape. Can you handle the truth? that we are here to tell you a little bit about the truth behind Friday the 13th, its origins. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about um, some North mythology and then get into uh, some Some of the roots of the superstitious holiday and, you know. Yep, some true crime and then we're going to end it on some... uh, True Friday the 13th stories, and speaking of True Friday the 13th stories, we have a very special guest, my favorite sister, (laughs) Emma, is here to join us for this episode. Why don't you say hello to the people, Emma? Hello, people. (laughs) She's so enthusiastic to be with us. Yes, she she is very enthusiastic. (laughs) Well, let's get into it. All right. So, so Friday, um, you know, is obviously we're going to like Friday the 13th is, you know, not just a horror movie. It's much more than that. There's a lot of, um, you know, legends and, you know, different stories and folklore that go along with Friday the 13th. And we're going to talk about, uh, you know, kind of break it up and break down Friday as a day. And then the number 13 Mm -hmm. uh, to really just see if we can understand where this, uh, you know, bad luck day came from. I guess we could call it or bad omen Mm. day. Like, you know what's interesting is that, you know, the Friday is, um, the day itself, not even just the 13th, but Friday itself, um, has always been considered unlucky since the 14th century, uh, Canterbury Tales, you know, which we yes. all read at some point in time or had read to us at some point in time, uh, because they say that it's an un lucky day to undertake journeys and start new experiences you know yes indeed so that's why they say that like you know friday's not always the luckiest of days but it is the start of the weekend you know for most so it's like all right party on but like watch it on those journeys yeah some people are you know like thank god for friday but other people are like, thanks Satan for Friday because they love the unlucky. They're like, doom, doom, doom. Friday. But so I don't know if, um, you know, many of our viewers know, but Friday was actually named after Frigg or Frigga, um, who was Odin's wife. She was like pretty much the mm-hmm. mother of gods. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, love, beauty, fertility, household, motherhood, all that jazz. Ooh, yeah. And um, so there's a little bit of actually interesting lore that goes around um, with Frigg, who uh, she had a son. And Vanessa and I actually both found two different stories, which it's pretty much the same story that just is one's getting told in one way and the other one's getting told in a, you know, different yeah. way. Yeah, different style. Yeah. To bring it back to Frigg, she, um, you know, she also has, like, a tale of her own um, besides surrounding the number 13 with Friday. Um, It was, like, you know, named after her uh, because supposedly after being banished and shamed, she was labeled a witch and... uh, she covened a meeting with 11 other witches and the devil and decided to uh, plot ill turn of fate um, for the following week of those that did her wrong. So, like, you know, mm-hmm. that's why, you know, that's why it brings a little bit more uh, superstition to Friday, the day in itself. But then we've got the tale about the loss of her son and Loki being the 13th guest. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ah. Loki, Tom Hiddleston. Yes, not the Tom Hiddleston that you love. Oh, I love him, oh, too. God, I love him. <laughs> he's, he's just the epitome of, like, manliness to me, so... Mm. And he makes a very mischievous Loki, which obviously Loki is known for being very mischievous. Yes, he does like to play a trick or two. Yeah, but I mean, like, he'll be like, hey, like, you know, I, you just made this suggestion. Didn't necessarily tell anybody to go for it. You just made the suggestion, you know. Or so they (laughs) say. So... My story, or the legend that I found, is, um, so Frigg had a son named Bladder, and the legend goes, Frigg went around to every living thing in the entire world and demanded that her son would not be harmed by them. The only thing that she uh, was unable to demand protection from was mistletoe, which seemed insignificant at the time. Um, But, so, as he was growing up, Um, the gods had found this game that they liked to play with him and they would throw objects and things at him since nothing could harm them. Mm -hmm. Everything would just bounce right off him. Um, Until one day, Loki gave a a dart to Hor, who is Bladder's twin brother who happened to be blind. Mm -hmm. But Loki told Hor... That he would help him play uh, play the game with Bladder. And he gave Hor a dart that would, had mistletoe in it. Mm. And this dart, pier- when he threw it at him, pierced his heart and killed him instantly. <sighs> so 
this obviously made Frigg very upset. So she sent somebody to the underworld where the queen of the underworld, Hell, had agreed that she would give him back the, or give her back the soul of Bladder, but only if every living thing would mourn him, the loss of him. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Frigg took no time and went around to every living thing and demanded that they weep for him. And most of them did, except for one giantess would not weep. She stated, living or dead, I love not the curl's son. Let hell hold to that she hath. Mm-hmm. And so many believe that it was actually Loki <clears throat> in disguise. Mm-hmm. So now Bladder has been sentenced to stay in the underworld forever. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's like, yep. Like, you know, that's what Loki does, you know. He plays games on people. The version that I had discovered, um, so, uh, you know, there was, a, there was a big banquet happening. And, uh, you know, there was 12 guests... Okay, because mm-hmm. 12... Yeah, 12 is a nice round number. 12 um, is actually considered, a, like, a, you know, for some numerology facts here, you know, 12 is considered to be a number of completeness. So that's why, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. we got things like 12 hours and a clock. We got the 12 zodiacs. We got 12 months. We got 12 tribes of Israel, 12 apostles of Jesus, 12 gods of Olympus. Okay, and... Mm-hmm. 13 is considered to be irregular. So there's just, yep. you know, it's why it has all It's also stuff. an odd number. Mm-hmm. People like even yeah. numbers. So, um, you know, um, uh, you know, Loki decides that he's going to crash this party. Okay. And um, he did give, uh, her, you know, the blind god of winter. Um, he gave him a spear of, of mistletoe. Um, you know, which he, of course, ended up tossing at Walter the D, uh, the good, where he died. And, um, that's where the Nordic expression of, uh, beware of uninvited <clears throat> guests bearing mistletoe came from. And why Interesting. they say that 13 guests at a dinner party is unlucky. Which is something that they've been saying for many years because they even say that, um, you know, it was 13 people who attended the Last Supper. And we all know how that turned out. Okay. Well, before you get into the the significance of the number 13, there's one thing I want to add about Friday Mm -hmm. that was significant. That, um, because obviously a lot of people believe that Friday the 13th, or like Friday has been um, started as like a bad day because that was the day that Jesus was crucified um, after being betrayed by Judas, Mm -hmm. who was the 13th apostle. You know, so it's like, it always comes back to that extra person, you know. Yeah, it always comes back to the Catholics. <laughs> you know, exactly. but I mean, like, even Christians, it's their fault. 
if you're superstitious like uh if you're if you're in Paris, right? Um and you got a dinner party of thirteen, they'll actually offer you a person for you to hire as a fourteenth guest at your dinner table. Well that's nice of them. Yeah, yeah, you know, they're like, you know Very convenient. So that way um you you and your dinner party can um avoid an unlucky death amongst your guests. Well, I mean, I definitely don't like unlucky deaths or just death in general. So, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, how thoughtful. Vive la France. Oh. Vive la France. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but that's, uh, that's something that, like, you know, people, people really have a crazy superstition about Friday the 13th and the number 13 in general. Except for the 13th yeah, which was, um... They often met on Friday the 13th. Yeah, well, they also were an organization, organization <laughs> started in uh, 1881 that was mm-hmm. attempted to improve the number's reputation. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. And the first meeting, Perfect. you know, which consisted of 13 members... And um, they walked under ladders to enter a room covered with spilt salt. Um, yep. it, it was a club that made sure there was plenty of salt spilt on the table, mm-hmm. I believe. <laughs> it lasted, it actually lasted many years. It was a, quite a popular club and quite the organization that actually grew with over 400 members that included five awesome. U.S. presidents and, um, you know, like, uh, one of the ones that was in there and pretty suspicious is Theodore Roosevelt. Um, who oh, would, Mr. Roosevelt. Yeah, who Mr. would never travel on the 13th day of any month. Interesting. Mm-hmm. 13 clubs started the only one. Yeah, and Benjamin Harrison was also in that group, and I, I forget the other three, but, like, yeah, there was, a, there was a couple of other U.S. presidents that we had that, uh, that, uh, believed in that and were a part of this organization. You know? Yeah, that's, it, it's interesting that obviously there's so much correlation with, you know, 13 being an unlucky number. Um, and then I have another, uh, I have another story about, uh, so apparently this, uh, is why, um, another reason why Catholics have ruined Friday the 13th for us. Um, (laughs) on Friday the 13th, 1307, the French king gave the order to arrest hundreds of Knights Templar. It was King Philip the fourth. And he was known as Kill- uh, uh, Philip the Fair. He was a very fair-skinned king, that King Philip. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that is kind of like the, you know, before, well, obviously, Jesus, um, you know, Judas being the 13th disciple, like the 13th guest to sit down to the Last Supper, 
which is also another thing about where the dinner party rumor could have started yeah. that, you know, since Judas was the 13th. Um, and then, you know, that's why there's no, like you said, um, I, or maybe when we were talking about it earlier, you know, there's no 13th floor in a lot of buildings. Yeah, yeah, they, and there's... Or hotels. Yep, uh, there's no 13, uh, room 13s in hospitals. You know, they right. skip right over it. You know, even if, even if there's more than like, you know, 13 floors, you'll never actually have a 13th floor. It technically, mm-hmm, right. they, they won't put it in there. Um, another reason that ties in, you know, from Christianity, um, Christianity even dubbed, um, the number 13 is unlucky and a way to shame paganism. Um, and those who followed the 13 lunar cycles because they promoted it as unlucky because they said it was the devil's work. Well, of yeah, course, you, you know. know, so many things being the devil's Oh, it's work. always the devil's um, There's work. actually, right, mm-hmm. right. Um, there's actually, you know, 13 wasn't always a lucky number, like a unlucky number to some. Ancient Egypt actually believed that there were 12 stages in which you lived your life. And then mm-hmm. the 13th stage was an essential, um, ascension to eternal afterlife, which was death. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? So th- the 13, 13 was related with death for ancient Egyptians, but mm-hmm. it was more of like a peace, like your soul was going to eternity, like where it belonged, where you would just be able to live forever. Yeah. Um, the afterlife. Yeah. Which in, is... in the afterlife. And then, um, you know, the, the two, uh, guardians of the... Um, the underworld, Emma, I'm sure you know this. Well, one of them was, um, one of the guardians was, um, I was gonna, I almost said Re-Ra, but I'm like, no, I don't think that's what, Ra, Ra was one of them, like. Well, no, Anubis and Osiris. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> Ra's the sun god. I'm a little, yeah, Ra's I'm a, the sun god, and then. Sorry, I'm a little dusty when it comes to my knowledge. Of Emma, you so. had the ancient Egyptology book. There's I no know. excuse, Emma. No excuse. No excuses. <laughs> like, I do know, like, a lot of, like, I still know, like, the general information and whatnot. Like, how we're just discussing about the Egyptians and how they, like, their afterlife and whatnot. A lot of them had, like... You know, pre-planned, basically. So, like, you know, obviously, like, when pharaohs and whatnot were buried, they are buried with, like, furniture, like, gold, their pets. Yeah. Sort of thing. Because they believed, like, whatever they were buried with would follow them into the after, like... Yeah. The afterlife. It's like, which reminds me, Rachel, bury me with body. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we will make sure of it, Vanessa. <laughs> If Buddy's still alive by the time that you die, I will bury you with together. I will uh, put a cast unless you have spell him taxidermy. Yeah, unless you taxidermy him, <laughs> which she could do. <laughs> I mean, that would be a little. Weird, it would be a little weird because I mean, that's be basically with quiet and the cats. Yeah, yeah would it be the same? You just have to replay, like, have like a 
a track. Yeah, I'll turn it into just like I'll turn it into like one of those singing bass fish. <laughs> Oh god, that's terrifying. It's oh, terrifying. <laughs> Alright, staying back on topic. Alright, so we're gonna talk about some things that happened, some events that happened on Friday the thirteenth. Uh the first one I'm gonna talk about is the Uruguayan 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 Uruguayan. Your what? Uruguayan. Oh thank you, Emma. The rugby team from Uruguay. Um, on Friday the 13th, 1972, a plane carrying a Uruguay rugby team crashed on crashed on a flight to Chile. It took two months for rescuers to find the 14 survivors of the flight. In a grisly twist of fate, it transpired that in order to survive, many of them had resorted to eating human flesh from the 31 crew and passengers who perished. Oh my god. Yeah, I remember there was like a thing I remember watching about that and like yeah, it's it really fucked it's up. Fucking crazy. There's like I, not many survivors and whatnot um, of that, and I think someone's like grandson of someone who like was in that thing like talked like his grandpa never talked about it and whatnot. It was just well, yeah, because obviously obviously it was up. pretty traumatic. Yeah, you just ate somebody. Like, um, but, um, you know, one that I have to say is pretty famous and pretty well known and I don't think people realize you know how um how much 13 uh superstition is involved in this one but we but Apollo 13 okay Mm -hmm. that was launched at 1313 Standard Central Time, military time. Okay, mm-hmm. might mm-hmm. I add, it turned it is thirteen thirteen. Um, it was like you know that was launched on April eleventh, nineteen seventy. And mm-hmm. some people have looked at the uh, numerology and like uh, number, you know, the sum of the date. You know, if you look at the digits. Um, you yeah. know, because four plus one plus one plus seven plus zero equals 13. And also the explosion that crippled the, uh, the, 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 the actual like event itself happened mm-hmm. on April 13th, but it didn't happen on a Friday. Well, I mean, still thirteen. But it still landed on thirteen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one. Very interesting, Emma. So, um, back in nineteen thirty, nineteen ninety three. <laughs> sorry, nineteen ninety three. Someone decided to investigate the bad run of Friday the Thirteenth and. Checked out hospital rates on this day compared to the week earlier. And surprising and surprisingly, the results concluded that there was a 52% increase in hospitalizations from automobile accidents on Friday the 13th compared to other dates. And their advice was staying at home is recommended. 
You heard you heard it right here, yep. people. Stay at home. Yeah. If the coronavirus isn't gonna get ya, Friday the thirteenth will. That's what they're saying. <laughs> oh you guys ever hear about the uh the Andes flight disaster? It sounds familiar. Um, care to enlighten us a little bit? Of the yeah, that's not very um, familiar, is, it, is it about the is it about the rugby team? <laughs> On <laughs> Friday, October. Wow, that's right. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. This there one, was only sixteen. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, survivors. You know, but oh wait, oh my God, I'm so high. We just went over this. That's what I said. I was like, it's a year ago. I even said that. I'm like, I'm so high. Don't worry. We can edit that out. (laughs) Yeah, I know. All right. Next one. So this one, on Friday the 13th, August 2010, an unfortunate teenager found himself struck by lightning. Holy shit. Um, In... Lower Soft Seafront Air Air Festival in England. Weirder still, at thirteen thirteen, like military time. Dun dun dun. Okay. There's also um the Black Friday bushfires. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, because there's been some weird natural disasters that have occurred on um, Friday the 13th. And um, uh, one of them was a blizzard uh, hitting in uh, October of 2016 in New York that left uh, 22 inches of snow on the ground. Another one was in 1970. Um, a deadly cyclone struck Bangladesh and killed at least 300,000 oh, people. <clears throat> um, wow. Another disaster that was remember uh, was in Australia. And in Australia, it's known as Black Friday because over a dozen towns were destroyed and 71 people died from an uncontrollable brush fire in Victoria on Friday, January 13th. 1939. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's actually a memorialized as Black Friday in honor to those who died. And it's considered at that time to be one of the br- worst brush fires in Australia's history. Yeah, and here's another one. Uh, it's called the, what was it? The day that uh, bankers hated Friday the 13th mini crash <laughs> on. Friday the 13th, October 1989, a failed takeover deal of United Airlines caused all manner of shenanigans. Many said it was the start of the 1990 recession. Whoops! Oops! (laughs) (laughs) Who thunk it? But hey, I mean, you know, Fridays are, um, not the days to start a new project, you know, so... Uh, not a really good day they for investments. You know? Nope, definitely not a good day for mm-hmm. investments. Mm-hmm. 
And I have I have one more final story I want to read before we talk about our Friday the 13th killer. Okay. So, this one, I want everyone to put their tinfoil hats on because it's going to take a little bit of conspiracy. So, (coughs) Taylor Swift was born on December 13th, 1989. It was a Wednesday, but she turned 13th on Friday the 13th. Her first gold album went in uh, gold in 13 weeks, and her number one song had a 13-second intro. And in every time Taylor won an award, she had been sitting either in the 13th row or the 13th seat or the 13th section, um, or in row M, which is better known as the letter 13. Mm-hmm. Or the 13th letter. Basically... Apparently, um, or, um, I guess better for her that 13th is actually her lucky number or it's because she made a deal with the devil. She could have possibly. So yeah, Taylor Swift, (laughs) um, her lucky number is actually, uh, Taylor Swift. She's a crazy bitch. Hmm. She's fucking crazy. She's fucking tapped. Yeah, I mean, I I actually, like, really hate Taylor Swift, but that's why I thought, yeah. All right, we don't need to get into that. So, we're going to start with, like, yeah, we don't need to open up that can of worms. So, let's get to our um, (coughs) Friday the 13th killer whose crimes were as shocking as any horror film. The passage of more than four decades can't begin to lessen the horror of the actions of Friday the 13th killer, David McGarvey. But just who was this killer? Who did he murder? What drove him to act so wickedly? And how could it be possible for a man known as the Monster of Worcester to one day be back on the streets a free man? In 1972... Uh, oh, it was 1972 and Clive, uh, Clive Ralph and his wife, Elise, had a new boarder at their small home in Worcester. If I keep saying it like Worcester, I don't, I think that I'm going to die. Worcester? Like Worcester? Worcester. I was going <laughs> to say, I was like, Rachel? Oh. <laughs> this whole entire time, I'm like, what are this you is what saying? Right. No, I know. That was the point, is that I'm trying to mispronounce it as Worcester. It's, but every time I'm just like, Worcester. Worcester. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, David McGarvey had been an old school friend of Clive's, and he joined the, he joined the Ralphs and their two children, Paul, three, and 20-month-old Don in the city's uh, Gilman Street, Elise was also pregnant at the time where, um, and when she gave birth to Samantha in September 1972, there were six people in the small two-bedroom house, but who, but what led David here? <clears throat> David's childhood had been spent making the frequent moves common to families of military personnel. His father, Thomas, was an army sergeant 
and when David left school, he had followed his dad into the forces, joining the Royal Navy, his dream job. Disappointment and shame followed, however, when he was court-martialed and ultimately dismissed from the Navy. An incident involving getting drunk in an act of arson had been the beginning of the end of his naval career. Instead, troubles with drink would be consistent feature for McGarvey, as well as his childhood dream ending. David also had a short-lived and intense relationship that ended with him being dumped by his fiance on New Year's Eve 1971. Hmm. A disgruntled David was then kicked out of his parents' home when he'd had enough of lazing around and feeling sorry for himself. And so it was that he came to live with the Ralphs and their children. David was said to be good with the children, and he would sometimes help out by babysitting while Clive worked as a lorry driver and Elise did shifts at the pub. And on Friday the 13th, 1973, Elise had been working at the pub, and Clive, as often as he often did, was the last um, ha- went to have the last pint before closing time to pick up his wife after her shift. When Clive had left home, his children had been asleep. Looking after them was David McGarvey. Earlier that evening, David had been to the pub. Uh, He'd been between five and seven pints and played cards and darts with a friend with whom he'd had a small altercation with after David put out a cigarette in his pal's drink. Uh, Clive had picked up David from the pub and brought him home to look after the kids while he went to collect Elise. When Clive and Elise returned home, they would have been shocked to find their house surrounded by police who wouldn't let them enter the home and instead took them to the police station. Once there, the couple were told the unthinkable news. Their three children were all dead, murdered. Holy shit. Yep. That night between the hours of 10.15 and 11.15, McGarvey, drunk presumably in a bad mood, lost his temper while looking after the little Ralph children. It's believed he became infuriated with baby Samantha's crying for her bottle, but rather than tending to her needs as any caring babysitter would have done, he insisted snuffed her out, uh, snuffed out her life <laughs> and those to the older siblings. First nine-month-old Samantha died from a fractured skull. Uh. Dong was two years old and he uh, had her, th- or she had her throat slit and four-year-old oh. Paul was strangled to death. That is uh, fucking sick. Yeah, most definitely. Fucking twisted. Uh, shockingly, McGarvey's violence towards the poor innocent children didn't end with their deaths. He received a pickaxe from the basement of the house and proceeded to mutilate their bodies oh with God. it. He then impaled the three bodies of the um. He then impaled the three bodies on the wrought iron fence of the neighbor, almost as it was displaying his hellish handiwork. Oh with that, God. David McGarvey Go. left the scene of his wicked crimes. In the early hours of that morning, McGarvey was arrested as he walked the streets, having initially denied his crimes. He later admitted it. It was me, but it wasn't me. He went on to explain, I had put my hands all over Samantha. I had put my hand over Samantha's mouth, and then from there, it's all in the house. On Paul, I used a wire. I was going to bury him, but I couldn't. I went outside and put them on the fence. All I could hear is kids, kids, kids. Because McGarvey pleaded guilty after a court hearing lasting just eight minutes, he was sentenced to life imprisonment 
life in prison to serve a minimum of 20 years. Oh, my um, God. Despite the horror of his crimes, McGarvey remained re- relatively unknown to public until it was revealed in tw- uh, 2016 that he could soon be released. Pictures showed him on the street while the on release in 2006 when it was confirmed that a panel of parole board was considering uh, McGarvey's uh, parole review. For many, though, the thought of David McGarvey walking out of prison a free man is too much to bear given the nature of his crimes. I fucking agree. Um, it's yeah, like, we'll why play. would they even really even consider that? You know? I mean, I don't, you know what I mean? I don't know, but mm. it's just like, what the fuck? Why Seriously? couldn't it, like, oh my god, like, um, there was like that reminds me of the murder of Susan Kitty Genovese, um, which uh, was also had gone down in as one of the most shocking crimes in history. Not only because of the rape and murder of the young girl, but because there was um there was dozens of witnesses. And this crime, yeah. and nobody, mm-hmm. nobody did anything. It was, um, it was a total of like thirty-eight people that watched the crime happen, mm-hmm. and nobody, nobody did anything. Nobody called the police. Nobody intervened. Nobody did a damn thing. That's um, crazy. It happened. It happened um, March thirteenth, nineteen sixty-four, and uh, uh. New Garden, Brooklyn. The New Gardens of Brooklyn. Uh, she was 28 years old. And she was attacked by 29-year-old Winston Mosley in the middle of the road that was surrounded by apartment buildings with windows overlooking the area. Um, not a single person called the police or intervened. Um, they were all interviewed after the fact. And the neighbors gave a myriad of excuses as to why they didn't call the police or try to stop the attacker. They included, I was tired, I didn't want to get involved, and we thought it was a lover's quarrel, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, bullshit. Yeah, right? Like, it's like... Yeah, exactly. Um, police said, based on the timeline of the, like, uh, the incident, you know, she escaped from him twice, but he yeah. turned to stab her. Sorry. You know, he he caught up with her and he stabbed her several times, I guess. Um, that there was actually a chance for her to have been saved. And that's why, mm-hmm. like, it uh, it's one of, like, that's why it's so famous. is because there was yeah. so, mm-hmm. there was plenty of opportunity for this girl to have been saved. Based off of all the testimonies from witnesses and people that really could have stopped it and did damn thing didn't do a damn thing mosley though he did die in prison he he went to prison he died in prison at the age of 81 which uh you know well, finally I mean, brought some closure to the cl- to the case you know that mm-hmm. um which actually is uh discussed in many of um it's discussed a lot in like a lot of psychology classes you know because that's where they came up with the concept for the bystander effect 
Oh. Or why, like, you know, like, people just, like, you know, they'll, they'll just watch. They'll witness something that's awfully terrible. But, like, they don't do anything. Yeah. You know, so. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so. All right, well, let's get into our spooky Friday the 13th stories that we have. Emma's going to share her story before she falls asleep on me. I'm not falling asleep. It was just, like, the first two, those stories, like, just, like, you know, the murder, like, things. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, huh. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. It's not like I suffer from insomnia anyway. It's fine. <laughs> um, so... There's not really much to do in New Hampshire, so you basically have to make your own fun out of it. So me and my good friend Rachel, we go on spooky drives a lot. We'll like go into like East Bumfuck, Maine, and just like drive around on back roads and stuff like that, and usually a pretty good time. But this one incident in particular, particular was kind of like wicked sketchy and like spooky and. So we were driving on the back road or whatnot. Like we hadn't seen anyone for like miles. It had been at least like half an hour since we seen anyone. And I was like, oh, maybe we should start like turning around at some point. And Rachel's like, no, we should keep going. Like this is great. Like we're having fun. And we saw this like truck drive by, and then he like stopped. And then I was like, oh, what the fuck? And Rachel looked and she's like, oh my god, he's doing like a three-point turn. Like he's, it's like, it seems like he's gonna like follow us. And I was like, what? No fucking way. So then he started following us and it was like, and I was like, well maybe he's just like turning back around. But it kept like, go, for like 15 minutes, he, this guy was just like following us down this road and whatnot. And it was like wicked sketchy and I was just like, and he started getting like moving in closer and closer. And I kept trying to like speed up and speed up and finally, we ended up finally losing him. Like I ended up having to take a detour and whatnot it added an extra hour like going all the way back around back in New Hampshire but it was just wicked sketchy because you know it could have gotten to a point where like he like drove us off the road or like it just made me think of like I don't know like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or just like just it just freaks me out to this day thinking about like what could have happened and you know and it happened on Friday the 13th yeah that was the thing, because me and Rachel were actually talking about it, or just right before we went on the drive, I'm like, ooh, what a spooky time to go, like, on Friday the 13th, and, you know, and she's like, oh, like, nothing ever really happens, and on Friday the 13th, and, huh, funny enough, we almost died. Yeah, well, I mean, I had that crazy truck experience. Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking, it makes me think of that, like, my yeah. story with your story, and that was, that was, like, messed up, just as messed up, Yeah, you know? the truck. Yeah, the Giant Mack truck. Well, it wasn't a Mack truck, but it was, like, a decent-sized truck. Yeah. You remember that, right, Vanessa? Oh, my God. Are you talking about the white pickup truck? Yeah. Oh, my God. I I remember that very well because I got chased, remember? Yeah. Well, we both did. Well, we got, we were down at, um, what was it, South Cape Beach. Yeah, there was that time, but, like, there was another time where I was driving back home alone by myself from Stephen's house. Yeah. And it it followed me. Like, I was, like, I call, I remember I was, I had called the cops while I was driving. <laughs> I was, like, crying my eyes out. I was going, like, 80 miles. 
<laughs> I was driving so fast, like driving on South Sandwich Road. Yeah, it was. I was fucking up. so scared, and I was trying to shake him off, and he kept like trying to hit me. That brought me off the road, and I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" It was bad enough that I had to read about it in the paper, you know. Right. You lived it. Like, yeah, it was fucking terrifying. I remember I showed up at the house. I was fucking crying my eyes out. Oh. All right. So I have a story right. um, that I found online. Okay. Um, It's from Reddit from Dinkhouse69. Whoever you are, I'm reading your story. So I hope you appreciate it. <laughs> um. From small town way upstate New York, myths and legends basically create themselves. One night, friends and I decided that we're going to venture out to an abandoned farmstead that supposedly a triple murder occurred at. Uh, Typical high school teens with nothing to do kind of shit. So we loaded up an SUV and trekked out. Um, The place is wicked remote, nothing but the smell of cow shit and dirt, definitely no cell phone service. So we got there. The place is super eerie. It's about 10.30 at night. Car headlights are the only thing illuminating the house and barn area. Um, It's set way back off the road, so there's no street lights to be seen. Um, The house itself is nothing super special. In fact, it appeared that someone had been dumping garbage inside for years. Uh, Classic scumbag move. The barn was a whole different story. Flashlights in hand, we entered the front door. Uh, The inside was filled with junk, but it was bizarrely organized as if uh, corridors were established. We started to explore. Myself and a friend went up the stairs of the entrance to the hayloft, where things took a fucking weird turn. At the top of the stairs began a row of corn husks sharpened into uh, spheres, like a ridiculous five point. The husks were already, or the, the husks were everywhere as far as we could see and started to enter the maze. Um, we started to enter the maze, but then we heard a shriek from the ground limbo. A female friend and her sister had ventured further into the barn. We went down and found them in the junk corridor surrounded with small handmade idols I mean hundreds of them, each one with a twisted body and deformed face. In um in a panic we told them we had heard someone else in the uh or in a panic they told us they had heard someone else in the barn. We told them to relax. We have heard we would have heard another vehicle pull up, but as we made it to the front door of the barn we heard a noise from the back half. Um in the light of the headlights we could um clearly see a man standing in the back of the barn we didn't he didn't move or speak to us just stood watching we bolted to our cars if he followed um followed us i wouldn't have known there is no way in hell i was turning around to find out and they've never been back holy fucking shit yep and that happened um apparently on october 13th 2017 i would have shit myself yikes yeah, yeah for I, real. I would have too. I would have. I would have been like, peace. Yeah, I'd be like, oh god. I'm like, yeah, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Um. Well, for me, 
one that I'm going to be sharing. Um, I thought this was really interesting. It's not necessarily a story, but, um, you know, <clears throat> since Friday the 13th, you know, is such like, you know, a popular thing, and including yep. the movie, Friday yep, the 13th, yes. you know, with Jason, you know, they say that it's, that it wasn't based on anything real, okay? Right. You know, it did not mm-hmm. really occur, like it's not a real thing, but you yep, know, apparently, it's awfully, mm-hmm. air quotes, it's awfully <laughs> similar to a situation that happened in Finland. And it's actually one of Finland's most famous unsolved triple homicides. And that is the Lake Bodum murders. Yeah, I've actually heard of that. Yeah, summer of 1960. Yeah. Um, That sounds about right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to be a pleasant lakeside camping trip, you know, four teenagers, you know, set out, like, you know, sweethearts getaway, blah, 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 you know. Yeah, they were definitely, like, all smoking weed. You know, like... They probably had a bunch of acid. Yeah. Oh, my God, what if that was it, Vanessa, that one of them, it's like the movie Shrooms, but one of them took acid and then actually killed... (laughs) Killed the... Well, this is like a couple's trip gone wrong. Um, Yeah. On June 4th, 1960, 15-year-old Malia Amnelli... Brooklyn and Anja okay. Tulik Maki I've S Finland. I'm sorry, I'm probably botching those names. <laughs> so bad, I'm so sorry, no disrespect. Uh, like, you know, they set out for a camping trip and they were accompanied um you know, their boyfriends. <laughs> which who saves I'm not gonna bother to say it because I, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna call him Bill and Ted. Yeah, we'll call Bill, Bill and Ted for now. Um but th- this is a real story too, folks. Like I don't want anybody to think that it's not real just because I can't pronounce their names. <laughs> um they went to a uh, a camp site, you know, a very popular place. Um, that mm-hmm. is known as uh, Lake Bodum, and um, the sole survivor was Niels, um, which is uh, one of the boyfriends, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's the sole survivor of the incident that mm-hmm. you know would end up telling the tale over a hundred times, you know, over the yeah. span of his life, but you know. No matter how, um, you know, crazy his story was, like, you know, the facts were always the same. Uh, so he, like, you know, the story goes that uh, sometime between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. on the morning of June 5th, um, three of the victims were stabbed and bludgeoned to death through their tent. An attempted attack on Gustavin left him with a concussion and a fractured jaw and several facial fractures. 
Um, the horrific scene was first stumbled upon by a group of bird-watching boys around 6 a.m. who noticed the slain teenager's collapsed tent on the lake shore. They also have reported seeing a blonde man walking away from it. Um, their bodies were, uh, the girls' bodies were found outside the tent. Um, or, no, um, one couple's bodies were found outside the tent. But, um, the survivor's girlfriend was found on top of the tent, naked from the waist down, and lying next to, next to him. God, what a sight to wake up to. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's, that's super yeah. Um... And she was also, um, she, her body was also in the worst state of all the victims. Um, and her body was, her body was shown clearly that it had also been stabbed even after she had been dead. So this person went pretty fucking nuts on them. Um. It wasn't until yeah, wasn't until eleven a.m. that the bodies would be discovered. Um, hang on, something just popped up on my screen. Um, it wasn't until eleven a.m. that the bodies would be discovered by a carpenter named uh, this Risto Simon. Um, Simon, cool. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) yep. Um, he alerted the police who arrived on the scene that day. Um, they had been dead, though, by the time, like, the police confirmed that probably by the time they had arrived, they had been dead for more than six hours. Oh. Um, from the start, the crime was a confusing one. Rather than enter the tent and stab the teenagers from the inside, it appeared that the assailant had attacked blindly from outside the tent. And I like how they say he or she had clearly used a knife. Well, yeah, yeah it's true. Well, that's maybe that goes back to the the acid. Yeah. <laughs> He or she. Well, I yeah, mean, it's like you never know. People that. flip out them when you take drugs. Sometimes they flip, man. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. like, especially bad drugs. Yeah. Um, but they that are laced with ketamine. They, <laughs> they stated um, that um, they had clearly used the knife to stab the victims, but their bodies showed evidence of another weapon, an unidentified blunt object. Which could just be, like, a big-ass stick right. or a log yeah. or, you know what I mean? Furthermore, several a strange rock. items were missing from the scene, adding another layer of mystery to the crime. For example, the keys to the teenagers' motorcycles were gone, but the motorcycles Ooh. themselves weren't taken. Hmm. Interesting. Um, the survivor's shoes were also missing, Though later, they were found roughly half a mile um, from the tent along with parts of his clothing. Papers Mm -hmm. would, um, you know, um, you know, the papers gave, like, the police a lot of shit for the situation, you know, saying um, they didn't uh, really take any official recordings of their fightings, like, you know, things mm-hmm. that they discovered in the area and everything. 
and they said that it was uh they and they didn't uh cordon off the area so it left it open to contamination you know Curious. Yeah, so it's so like yeah really it's like they didn't do anything to like you know say like oh like no there's no caution tape basically and people you know just like came by to check it out and like basically destroyed the whole murder scene and attempts to like rectify their mistakes you know yeah Uh, you know the police tried to search for the missing items for since they failed to properly secure the area and to like you know keep it away from the general public yeah. Um, of course, uh, so, like, we get to the suspects, all right? Mm. And they, the first suspect was, um, this guy that was known in the local community as, uh, Kioskman, because okay. he owned and operated a, uh, nearby stall. Um, Gilstrom's kiosk near Lake Bottom was frequently visited by uh, by campers. However, he was also known for being hostile towards them. A witness claimed to have seen him uh, cut down tents and throw rocks at hikers over the years. Ooh, interesting. So he was like a crazy mm-hmm. man. Um, some even um, made claims that they saw him leave the murder scene but then, you know, others claim they've been too afraid of him to alert authorities. So, he allegedly made several confessions in which he displayed knowledge of the crime both drunkenly and soberly, though they were all ignored by the police. Well, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, they botched the crime yeah. scene, so, like, yeah. maybe a botched investigation. Well... Nine years later, after the murders, this same guy, Gilstrom, yep, drowned in the lake. They say likely by suicide. Oh, that doesn't sound anything like rendering thirteenth. Yeah, nothing, nothing at all. Rendering DNA evidence as requested by several authorities, and over the years. That was impossible to gather. Right. So, like, you know, it's like, like, oh! Like we said, you got the <laughs> dead bodies in the river. They wash away the fingerprints and the DNA evidence. Yeah. Um, but they had a second suspect, you know, um, they had a second suspect that remained of interest until 2004, his name was Hans. I know this isn't his real last name, Hans, but like okay. it says, Asman. So it's Hans. Hans Asman. <laughs> um, he was rumored to be a former KGB spy living near the air, um, near the area, and like the shoreline of the lake. Um, and he also earned a reputation of a recul. Of like a recluse, yeah, you know, like a hobo, yeah. So and he also had con- 
like, you know, had been suspected in several different murders. Well, but on the kind of sounds like he could be him. Yeah, it sounds like it could be him. You know, he was always being accused of murder all the time, so why not, you know? But it says that the uh, accusations never never really stuck with him. Um, Well, isn't that convenient? Yeah, but he had gone into the... um, the house, the Helsinki Surgical Hospital, the day after the attack, with fingernails black with dirt and his clothes covered in red stains. Um, hospital staff reported that he was nervous and aggressive, but other than brief questioning, the police did not pursue him, claiming he had a solid alibi uh, in regards oh. to the murders. Well, what um, was the solid alibi? Like, well, what Moose gave him this solid alibi? Or what Bear gave him the solid alibi? I'm just curious. Yeah, you know, it's like, I'd like to know what his solid alibi was. Um, because his stained clothing was never investigated, despite doctors insisting that it was blood. Oh, that sounds kind of like, um... A case that happened on Cape Cod. Right. Um, also, he matched the description of the blonde man that was uh, mentioned, you know, see, being seen fleeing the sign, uh, the area of the crime. Oh, interesting. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> but the police didn't make the arrest um, until 44 years after the murders. Well, you know, at least they worked on it for 44 years to really make sure that they had it. Yeah. They put their in March of, effort in. In March of 2004, though, um, Nils, the, the Nils Gustafson, mm-hmm. the sole survivor of the yep. murders, yep. he was arrested and brought to trial. Oh, police claim to have suspected him the whole entire time insisted that there was evidence to support the claims. For one, police claimed that his shoes had been worn by the killer during the attack, evidenced by the fact um, by the fact that they were covered in the victim's blood, but not Gustavus. Um, during the trial, the prosecution spun a story involving a fight between Gustafson and Boisman, which ended in the triple homicide. Interesting. You know, they, you know, prosecution claimed that he had just gotten drunk and, you know, exiled from the tent, and then he made an attempt to talk with <laughs> they him. They exiled him from yeah. the tent. You could not like, sleep here. They're like, you get away from here. And, and he's like, I'm going to fucking stab you guys through the tent. Yeah. You can't, I can't sleep in the tent. Nobody gets they're to sleep. Like, Everyone's yeah. dead. Well, they're, they're, they, like, you know, prosecution made these claims that, like, he got in a fight with his buddy. And the reason why his broad joke, uh, his broad joke. <laughs> <laughs> his broad joke was not a joke, okay? That's sexism. <laughs> They, the, yeah, they said that, um, 
you know, they made claims saying that the reason why he ended up, like, you know, went into exile from the gang, you know, was basically because he lost a fight. They're saying that basically he got a fight with his buddy, hence he broke his jaw, and then he ran off like a fucking dog between, with a tail between their legs. Yeah. You know? Pissed off because he lost the fight and was humiliated. Yeah, or you know, as DMX would say, yeah, as DMX would say, for him being a little bitch, oh, oh, and then <laughs> ran away <laughs> with his tail between his legs. Um, he <laughs> must have went, like they say that he went back in a blind rage, killed his girlfriend and two friends, and he inflicted the rest in a super, like, you know, the... He did everything else to himself, you know, to try to make it seem like they had been attacked. I mean, that's quite possible, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what happened on the most recent season of American Horror Story. Yeah. The fact that the young bird watchers who originally found the site claimed to have seen a man leaving that area backed up the prosecution's claim. His defense, however, dismissed the story, claiming that if Boisman and Gustafson truly had gotten in a fight, Gustafson would have been too injured um, to victoriously murder his friends like that, you know, right. let alone mm-hmm. walk more than half a mile round trip to hide his shoes. Right. Okay. And like with like the state, the way that they found him, I'm going to say that he didn't do it. Right. You know, like, because I'm going to say that my bunny's on. Well, yeah, I'm saying the second. Yeah, most definitely the second guy. I'm going to say the second guy, and I'm going to say that that first guy didn't kill himself. I'm going to say that the second guy probably did it, too. Maybe. Because, like, you know, maybe, maybe. He saw something. Maybe, yeah, like that guy that made all those claims, you know, the drunken guy that lived on the area that made all the claims. Yeah, he Maybe was there he when said it, it because he saw it. Yeah, and he exactly. really wanted to claim that he did it to people. And then, um, you know, Hans is the one that did it. And he was like, yo, you taking credit for my work, man? Yeah, I'm going to drive you old bitch Yeah. You know, it's something that still was left unsolved. They've well, never, they've still yet to um, talk about who has done it, and it's one of Finland's most horrifying and longest unsolved crimes. That's very interesting. So it makes me wonder, though, if <coughs> yeah, that's our, Friday, our, our film Friday the 13th might have been inspired slightly by these killings. I mean, mm-hmm. it definitely sounds like it, because, like, Friday the 13th, what, came out in the eight, early 80s? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this so, happened in very, the 60s. Yeah, so very possibly. Yeah. You know? Just because it didn't happen on American soil doesn't mean that, uh, you know, it's something that didn't happen. may not be the same exact tale, you know? Yeah, most... But yeah. it's definitely... I, I can definitely... Um, Here's some inspiration behind that uh, unsolved mystery. Yeah, most definitely. Well, I, uh, you know, I hope that everybody has enjoyed 
our uh, Tales of our Friday the 13th special. And yeah. hopefully you learned something new. I hope you got a really good tattoo. Yeah, I'm definitely going to get a tattoo on Friday the 13th. So. Mm-hmm. I'll post it on the Instagram. Follow us at uh, Three Girls One Cape on Instagram. We also yeah. are on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And if you have any stories that you think we should cover for our far out news or any stories you'd like to see us cover, any stories that you have, personal stories, um, it's three girls, like three the number girls, one cape, the number obviously one, at gmail.com. Yep. And yep, we uh, can... Uh... We'd love to hear from you and uh, give us a like or a follow on, like like we said, Facebook or Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to thank our special guest, Emma, for staying awake at 1.30 in the evening, well, in the morning. <laughs> oh, it was worth it. Well, I'm glad you could join us, Emma. Her enthusiasm is astounding. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been up since 7 a.m. And she's stoned. Uh, and I'm stoned. I wish I wish I had you bring me some dumplings. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can always come and visit Vanessa. You know that. I know. I'm gonna come up and we'll do a show together with dumplings. With yes, the, I'll bring Chinese takeout and we'll discuss slings over. Um, there's a really good dumpling house in Portland that we'll have oh, to go yeah. to. Oh my god, I love that place. I know what you're talking about. Oh, let's go. Let's go right now. I'm driving out. I'll see you in a couple of hours. Well, (laughs) on that note, thank you for joining us. And, you know, I hope you could handle the truth. Yeah. Stay weird. You know, stay weird. And Epstein didn't kill himself. Yep. Blessed be. Let the force be with you. Also with you.